Hello, you're listening to Which Moving Pictures Move Us, and I'm your host, Emma Bolzner. I hope everyone had a safe and healthy Christmas and that you are looking forward to 2021 as much as I am. We are mixing things up today for our end of the year episode, and with me virtually is my good friend, Christina. Hello. Instead of just talking about one particular movie today, Christina and I have each come up with our individual top 10 movie lists of 2020. However, this isn't just our regular favorite films. Instead, they are movies we've seen for the first time this year. They could be movies from 80 years ago or from this year, as long as we saw them for the first time in 2020. We might even have one or two films both on each of our lists. Also, don't worry, we won't spoil any of the films on our lists, so you can enjoy watching them still. Okay, Christina, let's get started. Why don't you go first with your number 10 film on your list? Okay, um... I will, I'm going to say really quick, I have like a secret number 11, and all I will say about it is Black is King was like the, um, like music video, like movie thing that Beyonce directed that went along with her album that she wrote for the new Lion King movie, and it's like not a movie, so I didn't know if it belonged in this list because it's like not technically a movie it's really just like an hour and a half music video um but it's really good and if it counts as a movie it would have been in my top 10 so anyways that's all I'm gonna say about that (laughs) (laughs) and for people it's on Disney plus correct yeah it's on Disney plus okay and it's like way better than watching the actual CG Lion King (laughs) (laughs) oh tell me about it I'm not even gonna give that any (laughs) airtime Um, okay, so you're number 10. My actual number 10 is, uh, for the first time this year, I watched the movie Prince of Egypt, the, like, DreamWorks 2D animated movie, um, and, yeah, it was really, really good. I'd never seen it because I was never, like, a massive DreamWorks kid. Like, you know, I saw the DreamWorks movies that everybody saw, like Madagascar and Shrek and all those, um... But I, for some reason, I just, like, never watched the 2D animated DreamWorks movies until I got to university and, like, my girlfriend and my roommate started introducing me to them. Um, So we watched Prince of Egypt uh, on Easter, which seemed appropriate, um, because it is basically the story of, like, Moses and, like, it's very biblical, but I am someone who is, like, not very religious at all and... I still enjoyed it a lot. Like, it's in my top 10 list. Um, And it's a musical. Um, It's really, really good. The animation holds up extremely well. And, like, the story and the music all hold up really well. And part of the reason why it's in my top 10 is because, like, right before COVID, like, over the summer, um, they released the original Broadway cast recording of the brand new, like, Prince of Egypt Broadway musical. And that was one of the, like, top albums I listened to this year. It's so good. Like, it's such a good musical. Um, And it's just, like, cool. It's just a cool movie. (laughs) And it is um, from 1998, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I love the 2D animation. I really miss that. Um, That's why I loved Mary Poppins Returns so much, because it had all the when there was animation, it had all the 2D animation, because I totally prefer that over uh, CGI. Oh, yeah, no, it was, like, the animation holds up really, really well, and it's just, like, and it's funny, because I'm glad that I didn't watch it as a kid, because, I mean, you know, it's the story of Moses. It comes from the Old Testament. It's, like, pretty dark and pretty messed up in parts. Um, So I definitely think, like, watching it now was good. Um, 
and I mean, fun fact for people like me who weren't familiar with the Prince of Egypt at all, it's where the song, like, When You Believe comes from, which is, like, a pretty popular Christmas song now. So, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that is a great top, that is a great number 10. I'm gonna totally check that out. I've never actually heard of it before. So, yeah, never, this is a I good really chance. It's like, I watched um, Anastasia for the first time this year. It's not on my top 10, but um, I had never heard of it. Actually, I shouldn't say that. I think I did hear of it, but I never really saw it anywhere. And it was on YTV one night, um, just at the start of COVID, and I checked it out. And it has, like, a really big cast as well, like um, John Cusack's the, in the voice. I think Meg Ryan is the main voice of Anastasia. Yes, and it, it yeah. was really good, too. Again, 2D. Oh my god, I totally forgot. I think I also watched Anastasia for the first time this year. Oops. You that like did. <laughs> well, that's like also a, an honorary top ten. I I still don't know if it would have made the top ten list, but like if, if this were top fifteen, Anastasia would have been in there. <laughs> so my number ten film is the Netflix film Rebecca. And you can hear us talk about more of it in more detail um in our Rebecca podcast from a couple months ago. Um, this is on my top 10 because, like, the story had a lot of flaws and I still am not crazy about the story itself, but I thought the acting was amazing as well as the gorgeous cinematography and costumes. Um, I've never really felt that over the years, um, period dramas, especially since Downton Abbey, have been really good. I've found that, uh, when they are made, they're really cheaply done and the costumes and the dialogue is very inaccurate. Um, even just... The style of how it's filmed is very good whereas with this movie I thought that was all really excellent um I thought the dialogue in the movie was interesting because there is barely any dialogue since um the character Mrs. De Winter is isolated for most of the film but when there was dialogue I thought it really got to the point and was accurate for the time um also the movie almost looks like it was filmed during the 30s which I think is really cool and I love that you know your thoughts on the movie, Christina. <laughs> I will say, like, for what it's worth, like, I love Lily James a lot, and, like, it was, like, a gorgeous movie to look at. Yes, yeah. I, I'm just gonna say, I'm, I'm gonna do, like, a little prediction here. Is, is your number one film of the year Sleeping with the Enemy? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> really? shocking oh my god that's also not on my list my it god looks, i see i say that i wrote down every movie i saw this year but i'm like writing down now like i forgot to put down sleeping with the enemy and i forgot to put down anastasia and swan princess <laughs> no I, I i i think i knew it wasn't gonna be on your top 10 it's not on mine <laughs> Okay, what about, what's your number nine? Okay, so my number nine, and this may be, like, cheating a little, but I'm, I sort of approach this list, like, not as necessarily, like, the top ten best movies I saw this year, but the top ten movies that I enjoyed watching the most this year. Um, and so number nine is uh, another movie that my girlfriend introduced me to. It's, like, one of her favorite movies. It's called Twister. Um, it is from, I should Google when it's from. Okay. Uh, 1996 mm -hmm. thank you um <laughs> it's from 1996 um and uh it stars helen hunt and bill, bill paxton. paxton um oh philip seymour hoffman as yes, well yes and philip it? seymour hoffman who's fantastic in it he's one of the best parts of the movie twister is basically about like helen hunt is this like 
kid who is this like storm chaser and she's obsessed with like chasing tornadoes and like really really into like tracking tornadoes and um bill paxton used to be married to helen hunt's character um they have since divorced and bill paxton and his like new fiance go to try to find helen hunt to get her to sign the divorce papers but when they arrive they're about to like launch this like really cool invention that they've made to try to like measure tornadoes better um none of the science makes any sense and is probably all fake it doesn't matter the movie's really silly (laughs) and like not i don't i mean i don't know if the movie was meant to be taken seriously but hannah and i certainly did not take it seriously it's just like silly um and like a good time to watch and the acting in it is like genuinely pretty good like i love helen hunt and i love (laughs) philip seymour hoffman and they're like really good in it the ensemble cast is all like genuinely really good um and yeah it's like there's nothing like super scary in it or anything it's you know just sort of like a a a storm thriller movie thriller used loosely um and at one point a tornado picks up a bunch of cows and you get to see 1990s cgi cows fly across the screen and it's just a it's a good movie it looks like a very 90s cast if i may say so (laughs) Um, my number nine is another new film this year that came out on Netflix. I tried to do as many new films as I could, which was very difficult because, like, no movies came up this year. But, um, it's called The Half of It, and it's basically about this teenage girl named Ellie Chu, who is asked by this jock, Paul, whom she's never spoken to, to help him write love letters to the girl he likes. Um, they become really close friends, and, uh, she helps him, even though it is revealed at the beginning of the film that Ellie is actually also in love with the girl he likes. Uh, I really like this film because it isn't stereotypical. Like, even though he is a jock, um, he's super kind and they see each other as brother and sister. I am very picky with coming-of-age, um, high school films. I, I'm not a big fan of the John Hughes films except for Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I find them very stereotypical and putting people in boxes, the half of it was really, like, nice and a great escape from right now. I I guess our lists might show that we, like, like escape movies. I don't really want to see anything depressing, you know? Um, so this movie is very hopeful. (laughs) I have, like, one movie on here. I have one movie on here that could be considered depressing. (laughs) That is okay, but I just... I am very picky, like I said, about coming-of-age films. I don't really like to watch high school movies anymore now that I'm out of high school because I just don't want to think about high school. But this one didn't really take place too much in high school. There isn't really any, you know, sitting in class, so to say, scenes. But it's really fun. Um, And also the guy that plays Paul, I googled this, is from Victoria, B.C. Uh, His name is Daniel Dimer. So, yeah, support some local local actors. And the movie is directed by a woman, uh, Alice Wu. So I also tried to have some um, female directors in here as well. Nice. I, yeah, I don't know why I never saw that movie. I think I also, like, I'm I'm the same as you, where I'm, like, really picky about, like, movies and TV shows and books that, like, take place in high school. Like, I already kind of was when I was in high school, but especially now, I, like, really try to stay away from, like, high school-centered stuff unless it's, like, something that really, like, catches my eye and looks like it'll be good. Like, one of the things later on my list, wink. Um, but, yeah, I, like, <laughs> so I never watched the half of it, but I, like, I heard good things about it. I just never got around to it. Yeah, I I wasn't going to watch it because I thought, I assumed when I watched the trailer, 
Um, and again, this is revealed very early on. I thought that Ellie Chu was going to fall in love with the jock and that she was going to write these love letters to impress him. But when I found out that she was actually in love with the same person that he is in love with, I thought this is interesting. Like, this will be unique. Yeah. No, it sounds really cute. Yeah. Okay, what about your number eight? Okay, my number eight is, like, definitely, like, the, like, saddest of any of the movies on here by a long <laughs> shot. Um, number eight is... Uh, Technically a movie that came out not in 2020, but I didn't watch it for the first time until 2020. It's Parasite. It won the Oscar for Best uh, Picture. It's a really good movie. One and three Oh my gosh, Oscars. I'm so glad you put this on your list. <laughs> it's, it's so good. I like, I've been telling you to watch Parasite like almost every <laughs> podcast know. we've done together. <laughs> I always work it in. I'm always like, and Parasite, <laughs> wink. Um, no, this movie's oh so Oh my good. god. So it's, yeah. I'm going to watch it, Christine. I promise. I've heard so much good things. I've seen clips from it. I so want to watch it. I just keep forgetting. <laughs> no, that's fair. And I mean, like, I, like, there are a lot of movies that have come out recently that I, like, have been meaning to watch and haven't gotten around to yet. Um, so, like, I get it. But, yeah, no, Parasite, well, and part of it, it helps that um, my girlfriend and I both write for, like, the, the school newspaper, um, and my girlfriend Hannah's thing is, like, she primarily does, uh, movie reviews for the newspaper, and so sometimes, like, if she's watching a movie that she is writing a review on, like, I'll watch it with her, um, so that was how I ended up watching Parasite, was because Hannah was reviewing it for the newspaper and was like, this movie's really good, you have to watch it right now, and I was like, okay, um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, I mean, probably everybody knows, like, sort of the very vague gist of what the movie's about, you know, South Korea commentary on, like, economic disparity in South Korea, um, very poor family works its way into, uh, having, like, every member of the family working for, like, this very, very wealthy family, um, and it's often been described as, like, two movies, put into one so like the first half is very much its own movie and then there is a very significant moment at almost exactly the midway point where it like shifts instantly to like movie number two and you're like ah we are doing this now um and so it's like the second half is almost feels almost completely different from the first half on first watch through and then you go back and watch it and like see the seeds that they've planted all throughout the first half leading up for the second half and like I've seen this movie, like, at least three times, and every time I watch it, I'm like, God, this movie's so good. <laughs> that was a great description, because I thought, oh, how are you going to explain this without spoiling a lot of it? Because it still is a, a fair recent film. Yeah. Um, and it's one of the few recent films of the year, <laughs> because yeah. it won Best Picture, and, and it's still crazy to think that that was all this year. I mean, there should not have been any Oscars this year or Golden Globes. Like, the fact that that even happened... Yeah, it feels like years so, ago. Yeah, it really does. Like, I I forgot. I remember when I was, like, working on this list, I was, like, talking to, to Hannah about it, and I was like, wait, did I did I watch Parasite for the first time in 2020? <laughs> I'm a really, really big weenie when it comes to, like, things that are scary and things that are, like, gory. Um, and But there is, like, there is one, like, ten-minute period of this movie that is, like, gory but you know exactly when it's coming and so if you were like me you can like just close your eyes for like 10 minutes and then you're fine <laughs> okay that's good for people that are listening that are like me as well <laughs> 
So um, my number eight, this is kind of an ironic one to do, but I was like, I have to put it on the list. It is also a new one. And that is, of course, Jane Austen's Emma. <laughs> yeah. Um, starring Anya Taylor-Joy, who is literally everywhere now. I have not seen The Queen's Gambit, but I thought, gosh, I got to put her in here because um, she is like one of the most popular young actors right now. Um, as well, it also stars Bill Nye, who I love. He's like in literally every English film. And Josh O'Connor, who um, you might know, he is plays Prince Charles in The Crown. Um, so I did feel like I should put this on my top 10 for obvious reasons. But uh, I did read Emma in high school, the, the novel. Not a big fan of the character of Emma. Um, she's super nosy and she meddles in everybody's business. And it's just really irritating when she's trying to be a matchmaker. And the main thing about her, she's trying to match up her friend with this guy and he actually likes Emma but she's like too oblivious and it is rather annoying um people might know the story more from Gwyneth Paltrow's version in the 90s I have not seen that version or from 1995's Clueless which is like a modern retake of it that's how I know the story from Clueless um I like this movie um it is not my favorite Jane Austen version but I liked it because the costumes were amazing um the cinematography was brilliant the countryside of England where it was filmed. Oh, it was just so gorgeous. Um, I, I also like the adaption of it. I like that some of the characters kind of just went with it. Um, Josh O'Connor, who plays Mr. Elton, really steals the show. If you have read the book or seen the Clueless version, we are not supposed to like Mr. Elton. He is irritating. He is nasty. He is mean. But somehow uh, how O'Connor plays him as very likable and you actually think he's funny and he steals every scene that he is in and like Austin writes Mr. Elton as this a horrible person but somehow when he plays him you actually like him and it's quite funny the the book is quite funny this movie version is quite funny it's not like some big drama like Pride and Prejudice which I liked um it's just a comedy it's basically one of the first comedy books ever written and yeah <laughs> it was it was fun to see you know to escape I def that's another one that I like I kept Hannah and I both have kept being like oh we need to watch that and then we just haven't yet but yeah no I definitely want to watch that it looks it looks really good and I know you've talked about it before yeah so I I just found it on iTunes like said with Twister I just rented it um and you know Anya Taylor-Joy is really good she's able to you know go from modern day girl to you know, period, very well. Um, I always find that really brilliant when actors can do that. And, you know, Bill Nye is always super funny. And again, like the highlight of the film for me was definitely Mr. Elton. Because when you read a book, especially when I read a book, I sometimes have preconceived notions of a character. And seeing it in, portrayed in a different way was, I thought that was really funny and, and modern. Because if you keep adapting like the same movies, it's or the same miniseries or whatever, it's going to get quite boring take a really old 250-year-old yeah. story or whatever, 200-year-old story, and make it modern while also putting it in the 1800s. Um, do you want to move on to your number seven? Yeah. Um, my, my number seven um, is a movie that came out this year and came out pretty recently. Um, it is the Netflix uh, movie version of the musical The Prom, I don't know if you've ah, seen this yet. I have not, but it's on my list. Um, like, you know, on Netflix when you can do add to list. So it is on yeah. there. It will be watched. 
it's it's very I love it it's so Hannah introduced me to the musical because I like had only very vaguely heard about it um and then we we watched the movie and after we watched the movie we ended up like watching a bootleg on YouTube of the musical too um and the movie version's just really good. It The only thing that is preventing the prom from being higher up on my list, because I really, really like it, is I feel like it is going to be one that will be hard for me to, like, rewatch really often in full, just because, like, the story centers around um, this girl who is the only out lesbian at her high school in this, like, tiny little town in Indiana. Um, and she gets all this like backlash from like the students and the PTA because she asks a girl out to prom and everybody's like oh my god gays at prom um and everybody like freaks out about it um and the like the only thing keeping me from rewatching this movie in full is that the homophobic characters make me so angry that I like can't watch it too often or else I just get like worked up and I'm like boom I'm gonna kill Mrs. Green um but, like, I've watched, like, clips of this movie over and over and over again because the musical numbers are so good. Um, Emma, the girl's name is Emma. The oh, lesbian, yeah. The, the main <laughs> lesbian. Um, Emma is uh, sort of, she's the center character of the story because she's the one who, you know, faces all this backlash. Um, but the other main characters are these four sort of, like, washed up, um, narcissistic Broadway actors who decide that in order to make themselves look better and appear less narcissistic, they need to find some cause that they can support. And it's trending on Twitter that this high school in Indiana has canceled prom because of one gay person. And these four Broadway stars decide that they're going to go down to Indiana and save the prom and cure the town of homophobia. And the four Broadway stars are played by uh, Andrew Reynolds, Nicole Kidman, James Corden, and Meryl, Meryl Streep, yeah. and they are phenomenal. Oh. <laughs> They're so good. <laughs> now, question: um, Is this movie supposed to take place in present day? Yes. Yes. Oh, it's okay. Like, um. So yeah, it's like set sort of in the 2018 to 2020 area. Yeah. So, so it's like it's set in present day, and it's yeah, it's really, really like it's really interesting. Um, the story is definitely not perfect, but it's really good overall, and it just, like, every single musical number makes me happy. Like, there are definitely elements of the original musical that are better, um, but there are some elements of the movie that I like better, and I think, like, the movie overall was cast really well, um, especially with, like, the four Broadway actors and Keegan-Michael Key as the principal. Okay, so my number seven, um, the movie is from 2011 and it actually won Best Picture. And I've always wanted to see it and finally decided to watch it this year. And that is The Artist, which is a completely, entirely uh, silent Ooh. film and pays homage to the, the silent film era. It is a French foreign film. And again, it's another movie that's helped me escape it's, you know, a silly kind of storyline. It's pretty, you know, cookie-cutter, cliched story where um, it basically takes place in Hollywood during the 20s and focuses on a film star named George Valentine and a struggling actress. who are um, And he's really famous, and she's trying to make her way up in Hollywood. So it kind of does have that A Star is Born trope of a story, 
but I really loved it. There's a really cute dog in it that, that he owns, George Valentine, and it's the highlight of the movie. And it's so amazing to watch a film um, that's completely silent, and even though you don't really hear the characters speaking and there's absolutely no dialogue, the facial expressions that they have are amazing. Um, I was really impressed by how they did that. I thought, hmm, do I want to watch this movie? Like, is my attention span from, like, my generation going to hold up for this film? But it totally did. Um, <laughs> you know, there's funny dialogue skits, like, you know, in a silent film where they have writing in between. So the dialogue's really, like, it cuts to the chase. And I think it's really underrated, even though it won Best Picture. The costumes are beautiful. There is a segment, I should probably say, that where there is actually sound and it's a dream that George Valentine has and everyone's singing. So there is one scene, but the rest of it is completely black and white. And it's basically the scene where there are people um, in color and singing is when he's his career is starting to go down the slopes and he's realizing that silent films are going down and the talkies are coming. So if you like history of, of films like I do, it's very interesting because... It, it was pretty tough on those silent film stars who were so big from like 1910 to about 1928 and how quickly they were just hidden away and because their voices weren't very good and people didn't want to see them anymore and they wanted to have talkies and it, it's, it was pretty ruthless back then as it is still today but um, I thought it was a really excellent film, great escape, yeah. great acting, yeah, French foreign film. Um, people didn't really want to talk about it anymore because it is produced by um, the Weinstein brothers. And I didn't know this when I watched it. But um, it kind of makes me sad because it is an excellent film. And I do not like Harvey Weinstein and I do not like like him as a person. But this movie is amazing. And he didn't direct it. He just produced it. So I think people should try to give it a chance. Yeah. I watched it on iTunes as well if people want to check it out. I honestly have never heard of it, but it sounds really good. <laughs> yeah you should just check out the trailer the dog is the, the highlight he like saves the day he's so cute um so i can send you the trailer if you want to see it it's just it's a fun escape really great cool. dancing as well yeah it's kind of like a black and white la la land oh yeah <laughs> but there's not singing because it's silent yeah no that's so interesting <laughs> yeah do you want to do your number six yeah okay so <laughs> My number six, very similar vein of the prom, um, also a Netflix musical, which came out like two weeks before the prom, um, and it is uh, the Netflix musical that came out this year for Christmas, Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey. Um, it's so oh my good. God. It's so good. <laughs> I, I really loved it. Um, I... It's at my. It would have been higher up on my list, except for um, the opening number is phenomenal, and like the opening, like the opening, like all of the songs in it are really good, um, and the opening few numbers are like really, really good. The opening number especially is like a banger, um, but there's like after the opening number, um, and after uh, the like villain introduction um 
there is like a sort of like 20 25 minute lull which was a little bit hard to sit through like it got a little bit boring and I was a little bit like oh I hope the movie gets better from here and then it did after like after like the sort of 20 minute lull the rest of the movie is really really good the story's really cute like it's it's a family musical I wouldn't quantify it like like obviously it's like a kids movie but I definitely wouldn't quantify it as a movie just for kids like it is very much an all ages like friendly musical um, and the story is really cute, and the casting is all really good. The singing and the dancing and the acting is all really good. It's shot gorgeously. The costumes are amazing, um, and yeah, it's just about this like inventor who used to be like the best inventor ever, and then all of his invention plans got stolen, and his life spiraled into just like a bad time. And now he's an old man, and his is reconnecting with his granddaughter who is an inventor and she like inspires him to to get back into inventing um and Keegan-Michael Key is also in this musical (laughs) but it's not just Christmassy am am I wrong it's not Christmas themed it it it's like it's Christmas themed but like really loosely like okay it it ends on Christmas day but the plot is not christmas centered aside from the fact that it ends on christmas day okay and it's new right yeah it's brand new it came out at the end of november um and king and michael key is like in a lot of musicals yeah what was so funny he was in like both i didn't even know he could sing and then he was in two netflix musicals in a row and he was really good in both of them like king and michael key is one of the best parts of like both jingle jangle and the prom um and also, fun fact that Hannah told me when we watched this, um, the so the daughter of the main character uh, slash the mom of like the granddaughter Journey, who inspires the grandpa, um, is played by Anika Nani Rose, the voice of uh, Princess Tiana in The Princess and the Frog, um, and her like big song towards the end that she gets with her dad is like the best number in the movie it's so good that's awesome you know what kind of i just googled it right now and and the opening picture kind of reminded me i've never seen this movie as well um the nutcracker and the four realms have you ever seen that i haven't actually no i was actually the thing neither the thing hannah and i kept saying during this movie is that like jingle jangle is a better the greatest showman (laughs) like it like it like takes a lot of elements from the greatest showman and like upset <laughs> oh man i forgot about that movie yeah the greatest showman i forgot about it i think i went to see it like twice i saw yeah. it once with you in the theater yeah we saw that my together. god that existed <laughs> remember the greatest showman? oh remember when we saw that <laughs> remember that was like 20 years ago and it was like yeah. two years ago whoa wow but yeah, yeah. like the opening number like i feel like if you watch the opening number of the greatest showman and then you watch the opening number of this you'll like see what i mean like this is the greatest showman, okay. but better <laughs> and it is on netflix for people yeah. that want to check it out okay so my number six is christina you'll know it it's little woods Ooh. directed by nia da costa starring lily james and tessa thompson and again i won't go into too much detail like what i did with rebecca because we do devote a whole episode to it um i think it was back in the summer And even though I watched it, like, back in June or July, um, it still stays with me. And I think about it, and it was so powerful. The acting was powerful. The story was powerful. 
the ending was really powerful and just please watch it and support independent female filmmakers um you can find it on itunes it is amazing and again like i won't go into too much detail uh even though i love lily james but again won't go into too much detail as we do devote a whole episode to it but yeah check it out um no i i really liked that movie too and like i feel like there are a lot of movies that i was like oh man if this were top 15 list like this would be on the 15 but like (laughs) little woods would have been in in like the top 15 for sure yeah um what's your number five okay my number five um is a documentary which came out this year also on netflix um directed by ryan murphy uh it's the documentary a secret love i don't know if you saw anything about that ever no i did not it is really cute i cried the whole time but happy tears um it is about a former baseball player um and her her like her female partner um and these women are in their like 80s or 90s and they've been together for 70 years like seven decades um but they had never gotten married and they finally get married when they're in their like 80s or 90s um and they have this like beautiful little lesbian wedding at this retirement home um and it's just like a documentary about like their life as a couple and how nobody in their family ever actually knew that they were a couple like they were always just you know the good friends the roommates um but yeah they have been this like adorable like amazingly wholesome lesbian couple um who both had like very successful careers and like really cool lives also just like separate from the relationship um and they made a documentary about them when they were like in their late 80s early 90s and i cried a lot but they were all happy tears and it was just like really really like wholesome and good and cute and like Hannah and I quote this, like, one line from it all the time because we keep joking that, like, this would be us in our 90s. There's this one part, because this camera, like, the camera follows these, like, adorable little elderly women around, like, in their lives, and it's so cute. And there's this part toward the end um, where one of the, the women is, like, looking directly into the camera and the other one sits down next to her, um, and so... Uh, oh man, I don't remember their names, but I'm just gonna call them like woman one and woman two. Woman one is the one looking into the camera, um, and woman two like <laughs> looks at her and she's like, "What are you doing, honey?" And woman one's like, "I'm looking into the camera." And woman two's like, "Are you gonna give me a kiss?" And woman one goes, oh. "I'm thinking about it." Oh, <laughs> so cute. And it's are so these cute. women are they still alive? Um, I yes. Uh. What are their names? Pat and Terry. Thank you. Um, yes, Pat and Terry. They're adorable. Um, I do believe... Terry. Are, did Terry die after the... Or are they both still alive? I think they're both still alive. They are, yeah, they're both still alive. They, um, but yeah, part of, like, the majority of the movie is about, like, their relationship and their lives, and then there's, like, sort of a... I mean, it's a documentary, so I hesitate to say subplot, but, like, a subplot, mm-hmm. which is about, like, you know moving into like a senior's home and moving out of their home and that's partially how they like go through all these memories is because they have to go through all the stuff in their home and so they go through all these like old photos and yeah it's just like really wholesome really feel good uh it's the only documentary on my list and it's really cute (laughs) and and they never came out to their families or anything 
they, they never married men. Yeah, well, okay, so I'm not going to spoil it because it's, like, yeah. such a good reveal. One of them okay. was dating slash married to uh, multiple men in her life, um, but uh, it was Pat. But, uh, well, let's just say things never really worked out with her and men, yeah. and that's all I'm going to say about that because it's really funny. But they were uh, but they were friends for a long time, um, Terry and Pat. They knew each yeah. other. Yeah, so they, like, first, yeah, they first became friends, and then they were a couple for 70 years, and, like, obviously by the time that they're old women, like, their parents and most, if not all, of their siblings are are dead, and so none of them ever knew that they were in a relationship, and, like, the only family members that know that they're in a relationship now are the the younger ones, like, their, you know, nieces and nephews and, you know, the family that's yeah. younger than them who gets to come to this wedding that they have when they're like in their 90s and oh my gosh yeah it's it's just really cute <laughs> what a powerful story and ryan murphy directed it which is pretty cool he's done a yes. lot of good stuff he's done a lot of good stuff right now he's done a lot he's done um hollywood this year too yeah um there was something else i thought he did this year uh, the politician. oh the prom the prom and the prom oh, just, yeah he, that too and the prom yeah <laughs> Yeah, the politician. Yeah, he's he's busy, man. Wow. Um that's that is very hopeful and very nice and now my mine is kind of my next one's kind of depressing. <laughs> my my number 5 is another new Netflix film. Um I think it came out around November. Um directed by Ron Howard and it's called Hillbilly Elegy starring Glenn Close and Amy Adams. Um it's basically it is a more recent film, so I I I don't want to give too much away, but it is based off a true story um, of a book written by um, J.D. Vance, who is portrayed in the movie, and it's a memoir of his life. Um, it, if those of you who are interested in the book, it's called Hillbilly Elegy, a memoir of a family and culture in crisis. Um, but the movie is basically all these flashbacks, and it follows um, this young man named J.D. who um, has continued flashbacks about his childhood and about his life with his abusive mother, played by Amy Adams. And at the beginning of the movie, we see him. He is at Yale University. He wants to become a lawyer. But um, his family family conflict um, with his mother brings him back to his hometown in America. And um, it's just this really powerful story of how he wants to stay true to his family and to the values his family has. But he also... Um, longs to just be accepted in Yale society. Mm-hmm. Um, it also talks about how weed is the gateway drug um, for many people. And, you know, Amy Adams does not shy away from, um, like the whole movie does not shy away from talking about a lot of issues, uh, whether it's drug addiction, mental illness, or poverty. And it's just was really powerful. Amy Adams' performance in it was excellent. She um, plays the drug addict mother. Um, just brilliant. I can't believe she doesn't have an Oscar yet. She's one of my favorite actresses. She's been nominated like seven or eight times. So I really hope she wins for this because she does not look pretty in this movie. I love how she chooses films where, you know, she really gets down to the grit of it and shows what it's like to be a drug addict and have a mental illness. And it also changed my perception, uh, like a Canadian perception of the stereotypical quote unquote hillbillies in America. So it kind of was eye-opener for me as well. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's on Netflix right now. I honestly, I had no idea that that movie existed, but it sounds really cool, (laughs) and I love Amy Adams. Like, she's also one of my favorites. Yeah, 
I didn't want to say it's kind of like boyhood because I feel like that would confuse people, but it is a bit like boyhood. Now, I don't know if you know, Christina, but boyhood was basically this movie that was filmed over like a 10-year or 12-year oh, period. Yes, I remember that um, movie. Yeah, 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 so it's not at all like that. The people, the younger version of JD is just a younger version of JD, a younger yeah. boy. <laughs> but um, the, the, the journey he goes on is very similar to that of boyhood. Um, so if people like Boyhood, maybe they want to check this out as well. Cool. Yeah. Okay, your number four. Okay, my number four um, is a Studio Ghibli movie, which came out in 2008, which I saw for the first time this year. It's Ponyo. Ooh, I don't know this one. I loved it so much. Um, it's another one that Hannah and I quote all the time. Um, it's very cute. Um Hannah's practicing a lot of self-restraint right now to not do her Ponyo impression. I can see it. Um, but it's really, really cute. Um, and I I had heard a lot about Studio... Like, I remember, like, seeing ads for Studio Ghibli movies as a kid. Um, but I I never really got into them as a kid. I guess my, my parents didn't really know much about them. They never really knew how to expose me to them. Um, and then in like university like my my girlfriend and like a bunch of my friends are all really really into studio ghibli movies and so i didn't really start getting into them until university um and yeah i saw ponyo for the first time this year and it's just like really cute and like really wholesome um i feel like it's like really hard to pitch every studio ghibli movie simply because the plots are all so like bonkers um but basically, it's about this little fish that talks and all of her little fish siblings and uh, this this one little fish in particular, it's sort of almost Little Mermaid-esque, sort of, um, is like, I'm going to leave this ocean ship that we're on uh, and I'm going to explore the land Um and this fish, like, unlocks her magical powers and turns into a little, like, five-year-old girl who meets this, uh-huh. like, five-year-old boy on land, and they become best friends and have a little adventure, and it's really, really cute. And oh, just, like, so happy. it's all animated, I assume, right? Yeah, it's all, it's all 2D animated. Um, it's, uh, Studio Ghibli is, like, the only, like, Japanese piece of media where it's actually good to watch like the English dub because normally like with anime and things like that like it is significantly better to watch like the audio in Japanese and then just have English subtitles but Studio Ghibli movies actually go out of their way to do like really well done English dubbed versions and so the English dubbed version of this is extremely cute um and all of the the Ghibli movies are on Netflix now which is how I like started watching more this summer especially um and so like they're all on netflix um and this one's just like extremely feel good um and really really cute and like not too heavy ever um and like wholesome and fun and gorgeously animated oh my god so i just looked it up the cast in this matt damon is in this yeah okay blanchett liam neeson tina fey are you serious all of the english dubs for studio ghibli movies get absolutely stacked casts hannah's favorite ghibli movie of all time is howl's moving castle and billy crystal is in it and he's fantastic i love billy crystal 
Oh my gosh, I love him. Oh my god, but I can't believe Matt Damon is like in it. Yeah, I forgot to be honest. <laughs> that is hilarious. Well, I'm gonna check that out. I so you know I'm writing down your top ten while I'm listening because these are some movies I can watch too. I'm also writing down your top ten as I'm listening. <laughs> um, are, are we at? I don't remember. We're at number four, right? Okay, so my number four is the Two Faces of January from 2014. Um, starring Viggo Mortensen, Kirsten Dunst, and Oscar Isaac. Um, this is also another highly underrated film, and I recently just watched it on recommendation from my friend Jamal, and if you listen to the Talented Mr. Ripley episode um, from about, I think, a month ago, you might recognize the title because he does mention it um, as Patricia Highsmith, who wrote Talented Mr. Ripley, also wrote The Two Faces of January. And if you like, like me, non-gory psychological thrillers, it's very much like an old-fashioned Hitchcock movie. It takes place in the early 60s, I think 1962, uh, in Greece. Um, beautifully filmed. Great dynamics between the actors. So much suspense, so many twists until the very end. Um, there's basically only three actors in the whole movie. You don't really see anybody else. Um, and you don't really know who to trust while you're watching it. Um... Yeah, it's just, it's really amazing. It basically is about a con man and his wife on holiday in Greece and who found them, find themselves trusting a complete stranger when a murder occurs. Um, yeah, so Patricia Highsmith, uh, if you've never read one of her books, she's mostly, or watched the movies, um, she's mostly known for, you know, setting, um, so she was around, like, she wrote her books around the 50s and, and 60s. And she's basically known for putting America, American characters in kind of, like, out-of-water experiences in Europe. So, Talented Mr. Ripley takes place in Italy. Uh, this one takes place in Greece. So, the Americans don't really fit in. And there's always something that happens, whether it's a murder or some conflict. And you don't really, you're not really in your own hometown. You don't feel comfortable. So, there's a lot of mystery and suspense around that, too, because you're not in, like, your own backyard when this is occurring you're like a tourist um and you're trapped in this foreign land usually passports go missing things things start to happen but um I really liked it it's not gory at all Christina if you want to yes. check it out uh, even when there are murder scenes we don't see them it's off camera which Excellent. I loved so yeah and if you like Hitchcock movies any listeners out there um this one is totally for you and it's a happy ending which usually hey. does not occur in in these kind of mysterious kind of suspenseful psychological yeah. thrillers but yeah <laughs> I was gonna say. <laughs> okay what about your number three well my number three I don't need to say much about because uh I know it is a movie you're a very, very big fan of my number three is Knives Out I love that movie <laughs> ah oh I'm gonna be revealing that soon too but it's not my number three <laughs> Ooh. yeah no I I loved Knives Out like it's a really well done mystery. It's an incredibly well done movie. It's gorgeous. The acting in it's phenomenal. It's really funny. I love a good mystery, and this is a really good mystery. And yeah, it's just a really good movie. I'll. I know you're gonna talk about it too. So that's all I'm gonna say. It's just a good movie. <laughs> no, I won't say too much because it is again like Parasite, a more recent film. Um, that was the last movie I saw in the movie theater. And yeah, you're right. It is funny. It is quite funny. I wouldn't really consider it that, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's got a lot of like really good comedic moments. Great all-star cast. Just perfect. 
Perfect. I love Christopher Plummer. He's still hanging on there. He's like 91. <laughs> and he's still going. Gotta give him some credit. He's still going. <laughs> um, that was your number three, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so my number three is um, Paper Moon uh, from 1973, directed by Peter Bogdanovich. And it uh, stars Ryan O'Neill and his real-life daughter Tatum O'Neill. Um, the whole film, again, is black and white. Even though it's not, like, totally old, it's 73, Peter Bogdanovich wanted to make it that way. Um, it takes place in the 1930s, basically about this con man who is stuck with this eight, nine-year-old girl who is quite smarter than him uh, when stealing money from people and, and through encounters with the police. And she kind of gets warped into the con world as well. And she's just excellent in it. Um, she can hold up the entire movie on her own. It's really funny. Madeline Kahn's in it. Um, if you ever watched one of the earlier seasons of SNL, she used to be on SNL a lot oh, from the yes. 70s. Um, she's so funny. She does a lot of Mel Brooks movies like History of the World and Young Frankenstein. Oh, I really yeah, like her. Yeah. yeah, she's so funny. So this is, again, a great escape movie. Super funny. And fun fact, Tatum O'Neill... Um, who was, I think, 10 at the time, maybe 9, won Best Supporting Actress uh, Oscar. And she is still the youngest ever to win an Oscar, which is really cool. It's a really fun movie. Oh, that's really cool. Okay, what about your number two? Okay, so my number two um, is, wow, another Netflix musical. Shocking. Um, <laughs> Shocking, Christina. It also what, came... what, are, what are you, what's the field you're going into? <laughs> uh, uh, music, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I also, I do, I'm realizing now that I actually have a fair, a fair number of these came out in 2020 or, like, end of 2019, so this one also came out in 2020, um, and it was the, uh, Netflix original animated musical, Over the Moon, um, which I think oh. I've mentioned briefly to you before. Um, it's It came out just like, a, I think in October or like September. Um, it didn't come out that long ago, but it's really, really cute. It's the it's from this like pretty new animation studio. Their, their other, like, I, I don't know if this is the only other movie they've ever done, but the only other movie of note they've ever done um, is Abominable, which came out last year, which was like, one of my favorite movies of last year um and then they did this musical called over the moon this year um and it is basically about uh this uh little girl and her this is not spoilers this is all like this all happens in the beginning of the movie um her dad has recently you know started dating this new woman um her the main character's mom like died when she was quite little um, and now her dad has started dating this new woman, and, uh, this new woman has, like, a little boy, and the girl, like, really doesn't like the new woman or the little boy. She likes it just being her and her dad, um, and so she decides that she is going to build a rocket to the moon so that she can meet the goddess on the moon, Chung'e, and, uh, mm. you know, if she- she thinks that if she can prove to her dad that Chung'e is real- um, because the myth of, of Chunga is that she's on the moon waiting for her one true love. And so she thinks that if she can prove to her dad that Chunga is real, then he'll realize that, you know, his, his first wife, his, the girl's mother, is the only woman who he could ever love, and he can never love anybody else. Um, and it's... And again, not spoilers, this is all in the trailer. The majority of the movie takes place on the moon. The girl makes it to the moon very early on in the movie. 
Um, and Chang'e is voiced by Philippa Sue, who you may know from Hamilton. <laughs> she plays oh, Eliza yeah. Schuyler. Um, and the music in it just, like, is really good. The music in it slaps. Um, the movie is really well done. It's really adorable. The animation and, like, the character design is really good. It's all, like, the character design is super unique. Um, it made me cry. It's got a really, like, wholesome, like, feel-good story. And I listen to the soundtrack all the time. And, yeah, it's it's really good. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I'm going to check out all the ones you've recommended now. I don't have much time, like some people, like all of January off, but I only have six more days before school starts again, but whatever. <laughs> um, my number two is um, Mr. Holland's Opus, which I really yeah. loved. Um, just loved it, loved it. We talk about it more on an episode where we just talk about that one um, from our back to school theme in September. Um, just a great film. I didn't want to do Soul because... I thought it's very similar as Music Teachers, so I thought, which one am I going to choose? And I did just watch Soul on was it Sunday night, and I thought, okay, I think I'm going to go with Mr. Holland. Um, it's just really stayed with me. The movie is a bit long. I think it could be a bit shorter. That's the only kind of beef I have with it. But um, the whole story, the character arcs, um, just everything about it is really good. And it, it makes me sad that movies like this just aren't made like that anymore um it's from 1995 starring Richard Dreyfus, and it's one of my like now all-time favorites not just for 2020 but like in my top like 20 films for sure yeah and now the big reveal Christina what's your number one I think you'll know what my number one is I've given it away already <laughs> I definitely know your number one is and you can probably guess what mine is because um over the moon was my does it number start with an s <laughs> yep over the moon was gonna be my number one until I watched Soul last night, and it immediately shot to number one, and I had to bump my entire list down, um, because, <laughs> oh my god, Soul was a good movie. I cried twice. It was, it's funny, I had two friends watch Soul before I did, and both of them said that it was a fantastic movie, and that it was not what they expected, and I was like, uh-oh, interesting. And I agree that based on the, the marketing, I think, for this movie was really clever. Um, because you think mm -hmm. it gives a lot away, and it really does not at all. Um, because the movie was not what I expected. Um, but it's it was, like, it was just so good. Like, one of my favorite Pixar movies of all time is Inside Out. And this was had very similar vibes to Inside Out, which is partly why I liked it so much. But yeah, it was just, like... The story was really, really good. The casting was really good. The acting, the music. I'm a music person, of course, I, and I love jazz. So, I mean, I loved it. Um, mm -hmm. And the animation was just, like, mind-blowing. Like, the character design was phenomenal. And now, drumroll, my number one is Knives Out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is my favorite movie of the year. I'm so glad I went to the movie theater in February, even though I probably shouldn't have gone to the movie theater in February in Vancouver. But I'm so glad I did to see this on the big screen. Um, the all-star cast, for those of you that don't know it, I don't know why you don't know it, but so many great people. Like I said before, Christopher Plummer, Chris Evans, Anna de Armas, who's amazing in it, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh gosh, there's so many people. Girl from 13 Reasons Why, I've never seen that show, but she's in it. Um... <laughs> It's just, oh, it's so good. And you think you know who kills Christopher Plummer, and then you don't. <laughs> it's just amazing. <laughs> you think 
Oh, it's just so good. And the acting. If I, uh, if I weren't such a sucker for animation and musicals, Knives Out probably would have been my number one. Like, my one, two, and three are all extremely close together. Oh, yeah. It's just the <laughs> filming of it in outside of, I think it's in Boston. Um, the manner that it's filmed, that is an amazing. Um, I just love how integral each character is and how great the family dynamics are, how funny it is when the will is being read. Um, things like that. The costumes are so cool. Uh, Chris Evans' sweater. The sweater is a character on its own. <laughs> Did you see that meme? Like, the sweater is the biggest yes. thing this year of 2020 is Chris Evans' sweater. Um, it is a beautiful sweater. Um, yeah. I think I'll just end on the best note, which is the sweater. <laughs> I have nothing else to say about Knives Out. So good. Watch it. Really good movie. <laughs> really good. So good. And I won't say anything about spoilers, but I like when I rewatched it, I thought, am I going to like it as much now that I know who did it? Because it's a great whodunit. And you know what? I liked it even better. <laughs> mm. Yeah. No, I agree. I've seen this movie, like, at least once more since the first time I watched it. And, like it's still just as enjoyable to watch because the great thing about mysteries is I find that like, and honestly it's the same with Parasite, even though Parasite isn't necessarily a mystery, but like with Knives Out especially, I find that like when you rewatch it, you're like, okay, I know how it ends. Now mm -hmm. I'm going to like try to find as many details as possible. Yeah. And there's so many good details and it's like such a well done movie. Oh, there's so many details that I never noticed. And I love how at the start of it, every character has a different perception of the same event of Christopher Plummer's birthday party and how like one sibling sees it this way and someone's sitting that way and and looking in a certain way and that's how families are you know you are have this preconceived notion and you think you are this kind of person in this family dynamic when maybe from another person's yes, point of view you are yeah. not and it's just so well done how they managed to oh I forgot to mention Daniel Craig hello Daniel Craig is yeah. amazing and I realized <laughs> I didn't even mention his name oh my god <laughs> were you waiting for me to say his name I no, forgot I forgot he's um what I also forgot oh my god Daniel Craig number one so sorry he is so funny in it so good I love his accent I love when Chris Evans calls him KFC it's, it's a it's fun really one good I also I remember <laughs> seeing like this review of Knives Out um like not too long after I saw it for the first time um and one of the things that I didn't even really pick up on the first time I watched it and I had to rewatch it to really notice was the review referred to it as like a master class in portraying like the microaggressions of racism and I watched it and like the oh. family's interactions with um Marta are so awful Marta, yeah. but like so racist like, they're so racist but so like cleverly sort of enveloped in everything mm -hmm. else happening in a scene or in a conversation that like mm -hmm, yeah you really understand like oh wow like these people are extremely racist but you wouldn't look at them and assume that like it's so really well woven into just like the the way that they speak and the way that they act and the way that they look at marta and it's like it's so clever just like any family, they seem so like glossy and perfect. And then when you really see who they really are, um, there's this huge other kind of outpouring of things. Like they may not just be racist, but they might also be, you know, um, this or murderers or, you know, like so many different things. It's so good. 
it's uh, my favorite movie of the year. My almost my favorite movie in general. Yeah, it's it's really good. It's definitely one of the best movies I've ever seen. Like, period. This films all moved us, correct? <laughs> Don't have to oh, do the yeah. last judgment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I want to thank you all for listening, and I hope you all have a happy new year, and that twenty twenty one will look better for everybody. And Christina, thank you for coming back on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was really fun to compile this list. (laughs) Thank you for listening.